entrepreneurship's really hard. It's really, really, really hard, but your hard work does pay off and you get to design the life that you want. Again, doesn't come without its challenges, but if you continuously work hard, you can get to a place where you are able to design and choose what you get to do each day. Hi, I'm Sanira, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a nine-figure business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit a million in revenue. And I'm on a mission to change that because we should all feel empowered enough to run our lives like we're the CEO. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way. Now I'm sharing it all with you so that you can join us as we discuss the mindset, money, and marketing secrets of the women who have bet big on unconventional paths to their version of success. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO school. Hi, I'm Sonara Madani and welcome to CEO school. Today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of the number one women-owned and operated social media agency in the world, Socialfly. Courtney Spritzer has developed social media campaigns for brands, including Discovery, SlimFast, and the Girl Scouts. She also co-founded Entreprenista Media, co-authored a book on using social media to grow your business, and co-hosts her own podcast, Entreprenista. In addition to all of this, she recently launched Workrobe, a line of robes for professional women to wear while working from home. I have one and I absolutely love it. Courtney is a recipient of the Smart CEO Brava Award and Drums 50 Under 30 and has appeared on Bloomberg, Entrepreneur, MarketWatch, and so much more. And I couldn't be more thrilled to introduce Courtney to the show today because she's a dear friend and is just so multi-passionate. You're going to learn so much in this jam-packed 30-minute session. Courtney, welcome to CEO School. Thank you for having me. I am so pumped. Courtney and I got introduced a couple of years ago because of Entrepreneurista and just have been friends ever since. And just kind of like, I would say we, we've actually never met in person, but I feel like I know everything about your life because of Instagram and just our mutual love of women in business. Likewise. I feel like I know so much about you, although I do want to change that. I would love to meet you in person one day. I know. And you're so close now. You're based out of Miami. And Courtney, why don't you kind of take us back and share your journey on starting Social Fly and just kind of how it's led you all the way down to work robe. So just start from the very beginning. I cannot wait for the audience to hear your, what I like to call not crazy, but just incredible entrepreneurial journey. We're going to be celebrating 10 years in business on May 4th of this year. So I'll try to give you the, the fast story, but there's definitely a lot that has happened over the year. So I actually grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. My grandmother, who is from Korea, she moved here with my father, who was a two-year-old at the time. And somehow, I don't know all the details, but she started a clothing boutique in the Bronx. So I, as a little girl, had grown up surrounded by very strong entrepreneuristas, although that wasn't a term at the time. And then when I went to college, I went to NYU and I just did not think that I wanted to do the same thing that my family did. I wanted to work in corporate America. So after I graduated from college, and that was in 2009, I took a job at an insurance company in Massachusetts, and I worked in finance, and I wanted a career in finance, 
because I uh, am a very analytical person. I love numbers. I love accounting. And when I was working there, I learned some really, really valuable skills. And I worked there for about two years and I missed New York City a lot. I went to NYU. I grew up in New York City and I just knew that that's where I wanted to be in my 20s. So I started applying for jobs, ended up getting a job at American Express and moved back to New York I think after two years of working at that insurance company. And then while I was at American Express, they were forming partnerships with Facebook, Foursquare, and Twitter, and doing some really innovative things in social media. And I was working in the finance department at the time. And at that point, I was three years out of college and I realized, okay, I'm a really hardworking person. I spent a lot of my time working and I want to do something that I'm passionate about. And corporate finance at the time was just not something that fueled me, that I was I was not excited to go to work every day, even though American Express is a really great place to work. So at that time, I started thinking, oh, what do I want to be doing if I'm going to be spending hours of my time working? or most of my life working, I want to do something that I'm passionate about. And what was I passionate about at the time? Well, I was spending many, many hours, too many hours on Facebook and Instagram. And I saw what Social Express was doing on social media. And I was like, okay, this is the perfect marriage of analytics, finance, and creativity. And I already spent a lot of my time on Facebook. Now this can be a career. So coincidentally, I met my now business partner, Stephanie, a year prior while we were vacationing in Miami. So all roads do lead back to Miami because that's where I'm based now. And I told her that I wanted to get into social media marketing. She had already started an agency, needed a business partner, and we quickly just, you know, started working together nights and weekends, trying to test it out, see if this could be a real business. After 10 months of Social Fly being a side hustle, we said to each other, if this is ever going to be a real business, we just got to go all in and do it. But we were very calculated in our risk. You know, we didn't just decide that we were going to put our jobs on a whim. We really planned it. So we saved up money. We signed a few clients before we quit our jobs. And then I calculated and I still run all the finance of all the businesses that we have together now. I calculated how much money do we need to pay our rent and live in New York City because we were not being supported by our parents at the time. We were completely on our own. So I came up with the number and I said, okay, this is our revenue goal in month one. And we have to keep hitting this in order to to keep living in, in New York City. And we quit our jobs May 4th of 2012. And after that day, you know, one thing led to another, and it's been this 10-year journey that has morphed into multiple businesses, specifically during the pandemic. That was really a catalyst for a lot of different things. But for the first eight to nine years, it was just social fly. I love it. And I will tell you that Stephanie is such a gem. She's just like one of the most incredible humans I've personally met in my life. And again, also just a digital friend as well, but I feel so connected to Stephanie and I love watching your partnership. I love watching your partnership over the, over the last several years, we had an opportunity to interview Stephanie and she shared the social fly story, you know, I think in season one of the show almost two years ago now. And so I can't wait to have her back on, but her journey has just been incredible. And just watching you two just crush it for yourselves. And then entrepreneurista, the podcast, and that was such a big inspiration for me to launch CEO school. And I would say that I just, I love following your friendship and business partnership. And I will say that the reason why you 
you know, it's probably one of the reasons there's many reasons why you guys are so successful, but I will tell you, it's really beautiful to watch from afar of this, this partnership that you guys have. And Stephanie is just incredible too. Oh yeah. She is incredible. And, and you're absolutely right. We have a very, very strong partnership. And um, what we like to say is we've always divided and conquered. And thinking back to the day that we decided to be business partners, I don't think we realized how different we were. <laughs> and those differences have definitely showed itself over the years as we evolved as people and as friends and as business partners. But we definitely have opposite skill sets. And that has been what has really helped us grow and, and tackle so much. I think that's such a strong point that you make in any sort of partnership is partnering with somebody who has a differentiated skill set than you. A lot of the times people want to come together with fully like-minded individuals, which in the beginning, it's not a bad thing, but it really doesn't add much value to the business. If you, both of you are coming at it from the same lens and that may create tension because then if you both want to own something that you're passionate about, the other tasks have to get done. So I think strong partnerships and marriages do come when you are complete opposites and love two different things. I've had a very successful partnership and I've had failed partnerships in the past as well. And I just want to remind everybody that is it's so important to find a partner that is so different than you and is passionate about different things so that you guys can be equally aligned in vision and dividing and truly dividing and conquering. So that it's not this multi, like the same people in the room making decisions. It should help you go faster, not slow you down. Exactly. And don't get me wrong. Even in the most perfect business partnerships, there's, there's conflict and yes. you have to learn over time to how to manage that conflict. I was so young and Stephanie was so young when we started the company, I was 23 or 24. I didn't know what I was getting myself into and we've really learned how to work together over the past 10 years. We joke and we say we hired marriage counselors, which was really a, a business coach to help us grow and scale our business and figure out how to divide up our responsibility. But we've also learned how to communicate with each other when there is something that we disagree on and how to talk to each other with respect and listen to each other. And it's been a really, really great partnership that really lasted also through, through a pandemic. So yes. that is something that I'm actually very proud of as how we've handled the, the drastic changes that we had to make in, starting back in, in March of 2020. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I want to kind of share with the audience, your journey at social fly and then leading into the products. And I knew you guys had several products that you launched, like you use the pandemic as an opportunity versus a setback. And I'd love to hear your version of that story. Cause I know you have an in-person office in New York city, obviously rent is so expensive. You've got employees, you've got clients, what was going on and how, like what happened in March and then what took place since March? While the pandemic was definitely hard and we're still dealing with changes that we had to make from 2020, I would say for me personally, 2019 was actually a really hard year. And that actually prepared me for what was to come in 2020 and to look at the things that happened in 2020 as opportunities and not setbacks. So in 2019, Stephanie had a very complicated pregnancy. She had to be on bed rest for most of it. So it was my first time really being not necessarily alone because I would talk to her all the time, but she wasn't as available as she was in, in previous years. We also had a bunch of things happen in the business that year that made it really challenging. So that year was a really, really big test to me for me because it was one crazy thing after the next. So when March of 2020 rolled around, while I just 
I think we thought that we were going to be working remotely for two weeks. We kept having people come into office and say, you know, I'm hearing about coronavirus in the news. And I, I think we should have a work from home day. I think we should have a work from home day. So we finally said, okay, everyone is going to work from home and we'll let everyone know when we get back. And it'll likely be two weeks. And that two weeks has turned into something much more permanent. And what happened over that time, just thinking back, oh my gosh, so much happened during that time was we, you know, immediately brought together some agency owner friends of ours. And we started a weekly Zoom call with, I think there was five of us. And we would all talk about all the challenges we were going through and how we were handling certain things. Then after managing a team on Zoom, we were trying to come up with ways to make it more engaging, calm the stress of, of that people were having and, and try to see the positive and the craziness that was happening. And one of the things that we realized actually pretty early was, I don't know when we'll be able to go back to the office and we don't want to spend our energy and our time thinking about and planning for a return to office. When actually personally, Stephanie and I didn't want to be at an office. I think for her, she had just had a baby. She wanted to stay home with her newborn. And for me personally, I had had personal aspirations to move to Miami for a really, really long time. Born and raised New Yorker. And quite honestly, I just loved and appreciated being in Florida during the winter and always dreamed of being down here for the winter. So when we decided, okay, we don't need to go back to the office. Where do we want to be? I shared with her, you know, I was like, my lease is going to be up in June. I think I'm going to move down to Miami and kind of wait this out and see what happens. I can work from anywhere right now. And she also wanted to be in Florida. So we both decided to move to Florida in June. Our leases happened to be up at around the same time. And then also during that time, I started to feel more creative than I ever felt. I don't know if it's because I'm naturally an introvert and my energy comes from being alone. <laughs> and now that I'm on these Zoom calls, I just started coming up with all of these new products that I personally needed to make things better while working remote. The first product was the DigiCards, which thank you, you actually bought them for your team. And those are these very colorful cards that you can use to collaborate better on Zoom. And then my first week of moving to Miami, I found myself, you know, really enjoying the sunshine, being on a balcony. I didn't have that in New York. And I decided to just lay outside in between my Zoom calls one day. And I found myself five minutes late for a Zoom call panicked and was just searching around for something I can quickly throw on. And the only thing I wanted to put on in that moment was my red silky robe, which is what I would typically wear if I'm home. But obviously that's not appropriate for Zoom. So I got on the call. I can't even remember what I threw on, but it was probably just some random professional shirt. And while I was on that call, all I was thinking about was, oh, okay, just moved to Miami. I'm going to need some new work from home outfits and what outfits would I want to wear? I think I just want like a professional top I can throw on over my gym clothes or a bathing suit. And that's when after that Zoom call, I don't even know who I was talking to, but I probably wasn't paying attention. And I started thinking about robes and started Googling. Then I came up with the idea of work robe, literally an hour after that call, called my trademark attorney, just said, let's just grab this trademark. Let's just have it. And then one thing led to another and I became obsessed with the idea. And I, you know, like you don't have a lot of free time. I don't need another business to, to be, to launch. No, right you don't. Now. But uh, 
don't do it. Don't I do know, it. But I just we do I it anyway. get the idea out of my head. And it was really, you know, I thought, okay, what's the worst case scenario? I have a new wardrobe for myself, you know, that may be more than I need, but that would, that was the worst case scenario for me. I created a product that I needed and if other people wanted it, great. And at the very least I would have learned something. So I decided to just push it forward because I just couldn't get the idea out of my head. I love it. And now you have all these different product lines, physical product lines, like going from doing you know, agency services, working with big brands to launching your own. Are there any, like, which one's more fun? Like I'm curious to know, cause I haven't physically launched a product. I would say CEO school is like this hybrid between physical and digital. And like, I'm a, I'm a subscription junkie. So I had to curate a subscription box. And that was like, I just, I wanted that experience to have that box. And the planners is my first physical product, but I really haven't put up a merch store yet. I have all of these ideas for really cool products. What has been more fun for you? What I love is learning something new and, you know, being not eight or nine years into running social fly, not to say that I wasn't learning anything new because social media is constantly changing. And there's, and I think that's what keeps me in the business is that it's always challenging what I know and teaching me something new, but I've, I'm also a very curious person and I've always been curious. Oh, what if we had started a product company or what if we had started a technology company, what would have happened? And when we were working remotely and I was coming across all of these challenges that I was having, I just decided it's now or never. I have no idea. The world might end. I have no idea what's happening. I'm stuck it inside. This is my creative outlet and I'm going to develop these products and do what I do for my clients for myself and kind of test what I've been doing for them and see if I could do it for myself. So that in itself has been the fun part is being the client because social fly has helped in a lot of ways launch these products. So it's, it's good to now be the client of social fly and, and, and see what our clients go through each day. So it's actually given me a lot to relate to in my client conversations on the social fly side, because I can say, Oh yeah, I tried this. I did this going through the same thing here. So I think it's made me a more well-rounded marketer and really helped me on the social fly side. We also decided in 2020 to spin off our podcast and morph it into a media company. So now we have entrepreneurista.com, which is a podcast and a membership community called the Entrepreneurista League. And that is also very rewarding because I get to help other women who are just starting in their entrepreneur journey or many years in and give them access to all the resources and things that Stephanie and I have learned over the years. So it's all really exciting. And what's great and what I would like to say to everyone is, you know, entrepreneurship is really hard. It's really, really, really hard, but your hard work does pay off and you get to design the life that you want. Again, doesn't come without its challenges, but if you continuously work hard, you can get to a place where you are able to design and choose what you get to do each day. I love that. And it's, it's the truth. It's so difficult, but it's so rewarding at the same time. I am so proud of the journey that you've had. And this, not only just it's the success that you've had, but then giving back to other women, sharing and elevating other women's stories 
helping women start and scale their businesses. And I think that's what it's really all about, right? It's not just about the products and services that you bring. It's really that impact and the legacy that goes beyond that. So I am just a huge fan of you and Stephanie for what you guys have built and I'm just so proud. Like I love, I think that when women support women, really great things happen. And I see that organically taking place for this beautiful network. And so it is, it's incredible. And I want to ask you, right. So as women, we're so multi-passion. I think that that's something that I've learned over the course of my 10 year entrepreneur journey is I, I had a similar path to yours in terms of, I did finance and then I started my company and it had tremendous scale. It's scaling. Amazing. Like we're still growing, but I still had this creative side to me that I just didn't get to place elsewhere as kind of like, once you get through building a company, a lot of it still goes into not that there isn't creativity or that I'm not excited about certain things, but it still becomes more process and scale sometimes becomes mundane versus that building phase. And I'm addicted. And I think that that's where entrepreneurs are addicted to that building element and that risk and that excitement. And so I learned to embrace that. And I think that you're right. Like even during the pandemic is when kind of CO school came about for me for that extra little bit of time that you get back from not commuting or whatever else it was that I put energy towards something else. And then over the last several years, like I've, you know, not only has been, you know, the digital scale on CO school, but again, all the new product ideas. So I'm really trying to embrace that for myself right now. And I've got a few things that I can't get out of my head, but I have nowhere on how to begin launching a physical, like an actual physical product that you design from start to finish. So any advice to entrepreneurs in the room, entrepreneurs in the room that want to physically start a product, where do you begin from a design perspective, a sourcing perspective? How do you do that? Oh my gosh, that was a big learning for, for me as well. So, I mean, it really depends on the type of product that you want to create, but I guess, regardless of what product you want to create, it all goes back to what is the design? Do you need a prototype for it? Does it already exist? So the first piece of advice that I actually received was sketch it out, hire a designer if you need to. And there are different types of companies that can do that for you, or you can hire freelancers to do that. You can find them on Upwork and sketch out what the product Mm -hmm. idea is and really map it out. Then the second thing to think about, and I went through a lot of conversations about this, is how do you protect your idea? So you could do that through trademarks, which is the kind of baseline thing that everyone should do, regardless of if you have a physical product or, you know, you're selling something else, make sure you have the trademark, make sure no one has the name that you want to use because you can get into a lot of trouble down the road. That's one way. Then for me, you know, I have the fashion product. I could go down the road of getting a design patent. But what I learned is that, you know, someone can change one little thing and your design patent doesn't really protect you. So the only way to really protect your idea is really being first to market. So I have the trademark for work robe and no one is really marketing robes as something you wear on Zoom call. No one. I am seeing some products of like, you know, different things that you could repurpose for a Zoom call, but nothing designed for a Zoom call. So that's one piece of advice. If you do have something that you can get a patent on, I highly recommend that you go through that process. Although it's very, very long, get a good IP attorney. And then in terms of manufacturing, once you figure out what it is that you want to manufacture, start asking your network and you know, going to places like the Entrepreneurista League or even CEO school and asking around and to see if people know manufacturers, contract manufacturers of the specific thing that you want to build. 
once you get a list of contract manufacturers or Google them or go on Alibaba and find some overseas, then you have to contact them and start to build those relationships, send them, you know, have them sign NDAs, send them your designs and then pay for samples. And then from there, once you get all the samples back from all the manufacturers that you think you want to partner with, then you decide who you want to partner with. Then you got to figure out, you know, pricing and negotiate that whole thing. And then from there, you place your initial order, um, depending upon what it is that you're doing. For me, I didn't know if people wanted this. I asked around a lot. I even did a survey monkey just to see if people would want work robes. And a lot of people said that they would want it, but I'm a see it to believe it type of person. Mm -hmm. So until I saw people pulling out their credit cards to buy it, that's for me, what I needed to really believe that this was a scalable product or there's a future here, there's something here. Uh, but I was curious enough to, to make the investments to, to try it out. So I found a manufacturer after searching a lot of different options for work robe, ended up partnering with a friend of mine's husband who does fashion manufacturing. So worked with him to create the initial designs, narrowed it down to three, placed the initial order in June. Then there were a ton of supply chain issues. So we finally got the product in August, which I've heard is not typical. Again, I'm very new to this. And throughout that time, while I was waiting for all the product to ship, I started working on all the marketing, got the samples, did the photo shoots, started building the website, making the social media plans, which is the stuff that I do know how to do. And then I prepared for the launch in September and the rest is kind of history. And I've just been glued to watching my Shopify account ever since September 1st. I literally stare at it. I see how many people are on the site. I try to look at where they're going and, and then you just optimize accordingly. I love it. That's like the entire playbook from starting uh, thinking about a product to actually executing it and getting your first sale. You heard it here from Courtney Spritzer. We love it. I appreciate the tactical advice. I think this is what it's all about. It's wealth creation is so much about knowledge sharing. And I think that's what's missing for women. I feel like there hasn't been a safe space where we can actually have these conversations, learn from each other in a way that feels collaborative and not protective. And I'm just so honored that you're here right now sharing your entire playbook. It goes for everything that you stand for. So this was so, so, so helpful, Courtney. I have a a few questions for you before we kind of end the show. I would love to do a quick rapid fire Q and a, so I'm going to catch you by surprise. And if you're up for it, I'd love to, I'd love to hear some quick, quick answers. We're not going to be too hard. All right. You ready? Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Awesome. And then hot or iced? Iced. Ooh. Okay. Your favorite pizza topping? Mushrooms or pepperoni. Okay. Journal or meditate? Both, but maybe oh. meditate. Okay. Dog or cat? I know this one. Dog, but I grew up with a cat. So uh, cats do have a place in my heart. <laughs> high tech or low tech? High tech. I like high tech too. Favorite book? or author, or a podcast that you're listening to? So many books, but probably The Four Agreements. Okay. I have not read that one. Read The Four Agreements. Four Agreements. We'll link that in show notes. Favorite female inspiration? Somebody you look up to. You are definitely. I love your Instagram reels. Every time I'm like, oh my gosh, one, how does she have time to do that? And two, she's so cool. So you, my business partner, and there's so many Women, women entrepreneurs. So 
Amazing. And then do you have a word of the year uh, this year or an affirmation that you're able to share? I would say, yes, flow. It's flow. I just want to Mm. go with the flow and not worry about anything really. Just trust that everything's going to work out and just go with the flow and not, I know that's going to sound terrible to say, but not try too hard, let things kind of happen. No, it doesn't sound so crazy. I feel like sometimes we need that advice as well. When we try to over control situations and just kind of like letting the universe do her part. Like that's all we have to do too, is we got to have a little bit of faith and trust in that. And Courtney, how can we support you? Like, I know you have so many incredible brands. We're going to be linking all of the products below. I'm sure we're going to have some promo codes for CEO school. I'm absolutely obsessed with my work robe, by the way, I have two and I love them. And I actually wear them. I wear them all the time. I actually don't just wear them for like zoom calls. I get home and I want to actually put it on because they're so soft. And I have a funny story to share. Well, before you get into how we can support you, which is buying your products and listening to your podcast and doing all the things Mila. So my daughter, I, when I drop her to school sometimes and I'm not ready, so I'll put on my white button down work robe. And I explained to her and she was like, well, this is a robe. And I'm like, well, we can wear this out, but nobody knows it's a robe. So she thinks it's this like really fun secret that we have, that I'm in the car with the white button down robe. And she's like, nobody knows you're wearing a robe. So she reminds me every time I'm in a work robe that there's like this fun little secret that we have in the car. So she loves it too. Oh, that's so cute. And you're the second person to tell me that it's the perfect solution to drop off at school. (laughs) It really is because I'm in such a rush in the morning and we have to be there at like 7.30 on the dot and drop off line is like 20 minutes and I'm not ready. And so it is such an easy, quick throw on. I think there's some marketing there that you could do for for pickup and drop off lines. I think that it's an easy solution for moms. Courtney, how can we support you? Yeah, I would love if you bought the robes, I'm happy to offer you all a 20% off using CEO 20. I'll create that now. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so you could work, uh, buy that at uh, myworkrobe.com and then join the Entrepreneurista League. If you need some additional resources, we do a lot of virtual sessions every week. And if you need help with your marketing, I can help you with everything that we do at Socialfly. All of it. Courtney, you're all of it. And we're so honored to have you as a guest and, you know, just congratulations on all the things that you've built. We can't wait to support you further and I'll see you really soon in Miami, hopefully. Yes, I hope so. We'll see you next week, ladies at CEO school. Hey there. If you enjoy this week's episode themes and want to go deeper into concepts on mindset, money, and marketing, Download our freebie with the five secrets that helped me scale multiple companies to seven figures and beyond. These are the exact skills that will help you get you to your next level. Find it on CEO School's bio on Instagram at CEO School. If you love today's episode, leave us a review. This is how we grow and reach more incredible entrepreneurs like you. Tell us what you loved about the episode and you'll be entered to win one ticket to our Women in Business Conference this September in Orlando. I can't wait to see you.